Hello and welcome to the Daydream Believers podcast. I'm your host, Liz Chirelli. Here you'll find a monthly dose of insight to help keep you motivated, inspired and informed so you can continue working towards your dreams. We cover a variety of topics so you can become the person you need to be in order to turn your dreams into reality. Every now and then we'll also bring in some music artists to showcase some of the best electronic music there is out there. Thanks for listening and remember to head to lizcirelli.com to download my free ebook on what it takes to achieve your dreams. It contains a free morning motivation that you can download and listen to every morning to guarantee you start each day strong and stay on the path to success. Now, on to the show. Hello, Liz here. This month's episode is actually a continuation of where we left off from last month, my conversation with my mentor and dear friend, Gary Gray. During this episode, we will be continuing to answer the questions that were submitted by the members of my Daydream Believers coaching community. Matthew had some questions as well. Oh, okay. All right, Matthew. Quite a few. Matt Staples? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel the power of record labels has diminished with the focus on streaming media platforms like YouTube and Spotify? Does this ease of access for musicians improve opportunity for success? And what are the key skill sets needed for success within these new structures? Yeah, I do. I feel like the record label, the power of the record label has diminished, mm. you know, with the streaming services. And it's just quite simply because record labels, what they traditionally did, you know, those divisions of labor within record labels are being done. You know, some of those things are mm-hmm. being done by things like Spotify. Mm-hmm. So Spotify mm-hmm. gets music out to people, yeah. the masses, yeah. you know, and that's what the record labels were there for. You know, you had an artist, he needed to get his music out to all these people. Well, there's a label in between that's going to help you do that. Yeah. And now it's not so necessary. Yeah. And the skill sets involved are really, you know, it's very interesting because the skill sets involved, I mean, you know, we, we've done some heavy research, you know, just on Spotify, right? Yeah. And so that's the skill set. The biggest skill set now is research, the ability to research. And here's another microwave, okay? People will search, but they won't research. So, you know, they'll search things out on the internet and they'll go for 10 minutes and go, okay, now I'm an expert on this. I know what this is all about. I mean, how long did we look just like one aspect of Spotify? We were like for days. Yeah, yeah. Days on one aspect of Spotify going down, trying to find the truth and the actual, you know, the reality. Yeah, yeah. Of just one aspect, and there's so many aspects. Yeah. So the skill set involved is research, discipline, and, and this might sound funny, but exercise. Mm. I'll tell you why. Because what we do now in this new world, you know, and Matt's talking about record labels, you know, so we have this new Spotify world streaming we have to do so much in front of a computer it's not funny Mm. to me it's kind of too much so you know like yesterday i went to um i'm not going to say it because she knows the word oh yeah the The ocean ocean. (laughs) if i say the sandy thing or even spell it they know how to spell now these dogs (laughs) they get all excited like they're going to go 
So I take the dogs to the ocean and we go running, you know, and I run barefoot and I do all kinds of, you know, working out down at the beach and, and I get in the sun, get some vitamin D. And the, so one skill set for making it these days is the ability for you to get out and exercise and get some therapy in your life, like just natural therapy. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, some people, I have a different view on I think we said it, you said it in the post when we were talking about this podcast. Like, I have this different view about meditation. Yeah. And I don't think meditation is bad at all. But to me, true meditation is productive activity. That actually, you, you, you will achieve like, you know, the nirvana or the whatever you want to call that thing that people seek with meditation. I think you, you achieve it from going back to helping people. Mm-hmm. It's the best meditation there is. So it's all, it's, it comes back to that same thing of asking the right question. Mm. So if somebody says, how can I meditate more in life? Well, to me, the right question is this. What's the product of meditation? It's a calm, chill, non-stressed kind of happiness that you're looking for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and the mindfulness of getting to know oneself and one's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in our culture, a lot of it's subtractive. You're trying to subtract stress and stuff away. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, with somebody like you, I mean, you're very enlightened, and so you're going for the additive, you yeah. know. <laughs> I think most people are, from my observation, most people are using meditation just to subtract the negative even before they get yeah. to the positive. That's true. They're yeah. not even looking at that. Yeah. It's just true. unreal yeah. in a way. Like the real thing is let's, let's subtract some of the brutalness of life yeah. and I'm going to meditate to do that. Yeah. Well, on this subject, like the last subject, if you go into productive activity, and production to me means helping somebody. Yeah. So if you're helping somebody and, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about like just taking the groceries out for the, neighbor. I mean, I'm talking about helping, you know, with what I do. So if I mix and but I help, I go above and beyond. Yeah. I try to go above and beyond. You know, if I'm going to mix something for somebody, I'm going to do it or do two versions or try to do something more than, than they expected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To me, that's helping another person. Yeah. That's to me, I get like the result of that is everything. And then some that people are seeking with meditation. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, I'll go to bed after being up for two days to meet a deadline. And he, f- he does. He does. He does this. I, I, I bear witness. Like, I go to bed, get up, and Gary's still working. I'm like, you're a machine. <laughs> well, you know, thank God I, I take care of myself, though. Yeah. You know, help, very careful about what I eat, all yeah. the sunlight, yeah. you know, the health. I mean, I haven't eaten sugar, like added sugar in my diet since I was 21, but... And, you know, I can't do it every day. But if I need to do a, an all-nighter for a deadline, I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the other side of it is when I produce something and help somebody and deliver that product, when I go to sleep, it's like I meditated for two days. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because, like, as you know, I used to be a yoga teacher and a, a massage therapist and was very... You know, I turned, I steered my music career, my career away from music into the healing arts. 
um, because I felt that music for me uh, was it was an egotistical drive. Um, and then I, I started working seriously in the, in the yoga uh, and healing fields. And I think I probably met more individualistic, narcissistic characters in that field really? than I ever did wow. in the music industry. And that really surprised and shocked me. Yeah. And it goes back to this whole, how do I heal myself? How do I feel better? This whole me, me, me mentality. And... I even encountered people that would come to me and, and say, you know, Liz, I'm getting really frustrated because I haven't got the time to meditate or, you know, I tried to meditate today and so-and-so came in, uh, you know, asking for help and you know, interrupted my meditation practice. Wow. And I was like, you're missing the entire point of why you're meditating. You know, like you're meditating to enable you to be a better person so that you can go out into the world and help people. If you're getting frustrated because you can't meditate, then it's not working, <laughs> you know, like you're missing the point, you know, if somebody comes into your room to interrupt you, because, you know, from your meditation, they obviously need something pretty important. So ask them what it is that you, what what it is that they need, mm -hmm. you know. No, it's, it's and, fascinating. That's fascinating. Because I'm not, you know, I'm not advocating that someone shouldn't meditate. No, But But what I'm sure. looking at is why are people meditating? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like you said, some of them are meditating because I think they've been brainwashed into thinking that they have to be happy. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And if you have, a, you know, I'll say this, you know, as part of this podcast, I, I think if you have a, as a goal to be happy, good luck in this world. <laughs> I remember you saying that Yeah, to it's me. like, th this world is very brutal. Yeah. That's the reality. So if you have this goal of being happy, that's your goal. You're not going to achieve it very often. No. If that's your goal. Yeah. But if, yeah. let's say your goal is to help people and to help as many people as you can, you'll be very happy, I think. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's it's kind of a, it's just a wrong goal. Yeah. In, in this world. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was interesting that you touched on the the importance of exercising as well. And I think us as creatives... Can we do have the tendency to get slightly wormholed in our little vortexes of creativity and forget to look after ourselves physically? And I know that that's something that you are not only very knowledgeable knowledgeable about, but are also very disciplined about. So, yeah, would you be up for sharing your kind of insights and knowledge and um, philosophies with the listeners on that topic as well? Uh, an exercise. Yeah, 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 exercise and health in general. And as health well. in general, mm. sure, sure. Yeah, I would say that um, 85, from what I've learned and the mentors that I've had, I'd say 85% of illness and like back pain, illness, anything that's like a un discomfort in life is usually spiritually, mm. is it's a spiritual source. Mm, 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 mm. You know, and it could be someone that's around you that's kind of dismantling you. There's those type of individuals mm. that kind of take you apart. Yeah. You know, usually those are the ones that are smiling and pretending to be your friend, and that makes it even worse. And, you know, the kind of thing where you go to bed and you can't shake it off. Yeah. And you wake up with it. Yeah. You know, it was gone while you were dreaming, but then you wake up and it's back. Yeah. And you're buzzing with this stressful buzz that you can't like, shake off yeah, a dis-ease yes yeah <laughs> well that dis-ease leads to disease yeah exactly 80, you know 85 percent of disease that's really what i believe yeah i'm very much with you on that <laughs> even accidents mistakes 
you know, when you're around people like that. And I find that, you know, if you've been irresponsible around people like that, it's even, it's like a hundred times worse. Yeah. It's like what, what, uh, what, what goes around comes around. But, um, I remember because I, I used to dabble in paganism when I was younger, mm. and the one thing they taught, uh, kind of white witches, was what what you deal out comes back to you times three, mm-hmm. good or bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that um, you know it's funny. Matt was asking about like what skill sets. That's where this is all coming from. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in, the new, like in, in this new age, you know, what, what are the skill sets we need if we're going to do streaming and everything and. I mean, the obvious ones are that we need to get savvy with social media and all that and, and learn inside and out how these services work mm. and how you get paid and all that. Mm-hmm. But the foundation is what I'm talking about. Like, and just in order to operate successfully at all. Like, for me, I've learned that my number one priority in life to make everything go well is exercise. Mm-hmm. It'll, I'll start eating better. I'll start mm-hmm. sleeping better. Mm-hmm. I'll do better with my relationship. I'll do better with my family. I'll do better at work. I'll do better with myself. I won't put myself down as much. Yeah. You know, it's just everything, you know, and I'm not saying exercise is the thing for everybody. We all have our own thing that if we concentrate on it and put some discipline into it, everything else will line up much yeah. better. Yeah. For me, it's exercise, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, as you said, you know, you wanted me to expound a little bit upon this health and exercise and stuff. So the main thing is really your spiritual environment, the Mm -hmm. people you're around, Mm -hmm. you know, who you choose to have on your inner circle. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, do you get enough sleep? Mm -hmm. You know, are you eating something good for you? Mm -hmm. Eating to me is very customized, you know. I really believe, I mean, the more and more I research diet and eating, the more I see that it's an individual subject, yeah. very individual. Yeah. Like there's no, you know, one size fits all, no. or not even close. No. Not, not even with yourself. I mean, I found that, you know, as you, you evolve, your body gets kind of used to things or let's say you're on the ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're on the ketogenic diet for two years, it's high fat, low carb, some protein, no sugar, which is actually a very healthy for most, mm-hmm. not everybody, yeah. but for most people, it's actually very, very healthy. It, it, your brain gets very healthy. Your nervous system gets really healthy. You lose weight by eating lots of fat. It's a funny thing. The word fat is funny because there's fat, meaning you look fat, and then there's fat that you eat. Yeah. And they're not even close to, like, one. It's if you eat a lot of fat, you will not be fat. Yeah. You'll be skinny. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So... <clears throat> So even with that diet, if you're on it for about two years, I've been uh, talking to a dietitian. Uh, if you're on it for about two years, your body will change. And now your diet can change mm. and can be different mm. and very healthy. Mm. So it's not even that each person is different, but within one person, things change yeah. too. So I think it's important to... Um, just, you know, you hear it all the time, but it's it's probably, this is why it's said all the time, you know. Rather than follow people that say, you know, this diet, this diet, that diet, I'd say follow the people that say, try and locate those things that are really good for you, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That's what I always say to people as well. And I would, you know, if you... 
if you are finding it as well that you're kind of low in energy or uh, always getting colds, always sick, uh, always you know always tired, it's probably because you're eating something that's really not agreeing with you or eating several things that are really not agreeing with you. So like just go and find a really good nutritionist and get some tests done and remove that thing or those things from your diet for a little while and see how you feel because yeah. I, I went through it as well like I had a whole string of kind of digestive issues and problems and uh just tired all the time always had a cold and fair enough I lived in London but I was just like this is just not normal and um eventually I, I met an amazing nutritionist and she does hair testing Oh, yeah, you told me about yeah, that. Yeah, and cool. uh, I found out that, you know, not only was I kind of intolerant to the usual things like dairy, but things like spinach, she was like, spinach really is not agreeing with you at the moment. She was like, just don't eat spinach for six weeks. Um, and in fact, you get a massive list of like, uh, a, a massive detail in, into your biochemistry that includes your vitamin and mineral deficiencies, but then it's kind of like your red foods list and your yellow foods list, which are the foods which are irritating to your body at the moment. And on my red foods list were things like spinach, green beans, cauliflower, blueberries, all the things we're told are really good for us. Obviously, I was, you know, eating all these things almost every day, thinking they were good for me. And the nutritionist just said, yeah, you probably just overdid it a bit. You know, just give your body a break. Yeah. And so I did. And now I can eat them again, no problem. Um, but you've got to, you know, and it goes back to this whole thing of spiritual toxicity as well. You've got to remove the thing that's causing the toxicity in order to heal, whether it's physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. As long as you're still, as long as you're constantly exposing yourself to that toxic matter, that, that wound is never going to get healed. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of this for me, um, you know, one of my mentors, you know, a key one for me was Chikoria. Yeah. And he uh, introduced me just to this little booklet, you know, that he did. Because yeah. it was after the riots, the L.A. riots. And I went with his wife, who's a famous singer, you know, and Gail Moran. You know, these guys have so many Grammy words, it's not funny. Mm -hmm. And I remember going with Gail and we went and we got on the back of this like 40 foot flatbed truck. And I remember hammering down my drum set to the back of the truck. And we went to the, the war torn riot areas in South Central LA and we played. And one of the, um, the pieces that we played was, was a, a musical composition that was based on this, this booklet that Chick showed me, which was God's called the way to happiness. Yeah. And, um, that was a really, really good thing. Like, uh, you know, a good bit of my philosophy comes from, you know, if anybody has a chance to see that it's just called the way to happiness. And it's, um, this booklet, it's like a non-religious, non-denominational thing. That's just very full of wisdom, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So some of the stuff that I talk about yeah. comes from that mentorship that I had, yeah. you know, yeah. and I just watched how, he, I mean, this guy was like, he just was so good at so many things and helped so many people. I'm like, I got to find out what he's doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? What's yeah. this guy all about? What is he plugged into? Yeah. <laughs> and he was winning like Grammy after Grammy. He's got some of the, I mean, he's one of the most highly awarded Grammy recipients in the world. Wow. You know, and for us, you know, as musicians, that's, you know, that's it means big. something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very helpful. Yeah. 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 And in fact, you gave me a copy of that book, his booklet yeah. as well. It's, yeah. Yes, it's an incredible booklet. 
definitely go find it. Yeah. <laughs> His second question is, do musicians need to be performers to be successful? With YouTube being such a focus for music consumption, how important is it to have good visual creative skills to engage with that audience? It's not. It's not important at all. You know, you can have you can find success in the music industry as a writer, as an arranger, as a composer, as a guitar player who's ugly as sin and shy as, you know, a doornail. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's it's really where do you fit into the team? Mm. So you don't have to be very successful. See, now we're talking about successful. Okay, so what's success? Yeah. See, to me, yeah. so if you ask me, okay, what's success? Success is I'm on some kind of team where I'm helping my team, and my team is helping as many people as possible. If I'm in that situation, I am successful, regardless of what's happening to me. Mm. It's the most fulfilling thing a human being could do. Yeah. Is to be a part of some team and you're helping that team and that team is helping other people. Yeah. That is success. So now the typical success, like for me, you know, how is it important for me to look good and all that stuff? You know, still I'd say no. Mm. It's not it's not that important. It's not that important to be visual, to look good, to perform. It's not that important to perform. Mm. Unless that's a niche that you really like. Yeah, unless you know it's what, what you naturally do and love. Yeah. yeah, but you don't have to. I would mm. say, you know, I, I performed over 2,500 concerts, most of them as musical director. And now I do maybe one a year, last three years, right? And so, but I'm more successful now than I've ever been. Yeah, yeah. So I would say it's not necessary for success to perform if you do. And that, then I would say this, then do it really well and be and become really successful at at that. Yeah. You know, but just yeah. because you perform, I don't think it was going to make you successful. No. You know, no. but if you do it, you know, with total reckless abandon and go after it and attack it yeah. and just love it and and give it your all and study it, study what stage manners is, what it means. Yeah. You know, how to present yourself, how to communicate on stage. You know, research, dive into it, yeah. become great at it. Yeah. You know, but it's not necessary. No. That's my. I find that so opinion. refreshing to hear because I do hear a lot of coaches that are coaching independent musicians saying, no, in order to grow your audience, you have to be performing live. And every time they say that, I'm like, it's really, I consider that really um, destructive. Because every time a non-performing musician hears that, myself included, I think, oh, it's that oh, feeling of like, oh, oh man, I'm not going to get to where I want to be yeah. just because I'm not gigging. Myth maker and brainwasher. Yeah. I mean, most people I find in the industry that are myth makers and brainwashers, as I call them, are unwitting yeah. Myth makers yeah, and yeah, They they're don't really they're realize good. they're doing that. They're, they're just exactly. forwarding things yeah. that are taught and taught and taught and yeah. taught and they just teach it again. And but a lot of that, the source of those things, you know, yeah. is the real myth or the brainwashing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That would be an example, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I think it also goes, you know, everybody <laughs> everybody has an opinion and everybody wants to share their opinion with everyone. And I think a lot of coaches have developed 
or you know experience success uh, you know some of them are musicians that have experienced success and then they're going on to help other musicians by teaching them the strategy that brought them success and I think that's great uh, it's great that they want to go out and help people but you know we're not all we're not all squares and sometimes some coaches are trying to fit squares into circles into circular holes and it's it's painful and it's uncomfortable and you know they're kind of giving advice based on their own success model not necessarily being aware that their success model is not everybody else's success model yeah you know another thing i think which is right on what you're saying is that they teach you a model of their success when they haven't analyzed it closely enough to know what it was yeah so they're teaching something yeah. that actually did not cause their success that happens a lot interesting yeah it's like not asking the right question right yeah. Mm -hmm. They haven't asked the right question of themselves yeah. first to determine really what caused their success. Yeah. You know, I'll just give you one example is that, you know, one of my um, pet peeves, I'd, I would say, um, for people that have achieved success is when they don't claim ownership of it. Mm. Obviously, they caused it. Yeah. But they'll say all manner of this caused it or that caused it yeah. or I was lucky or it was a sign. And like people, it's a sign. You know, even when I hear that, right? <laughs> if it's a sign, I, I guess I should go that way. And I'm like, well, you know that sign? You put it there. That's a result of what you did. That's why it's in front of you. You did it. You know, that's how I look at it. Mm. But people that will say like, you know, I put it into the hands of God. Yeah. And it's out of my hands now. To me, that's the most irresponsible thing anyone could ever say or act upon, the philosophy. Because whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, you know, the whole concept of a spiritual supreme being, right, to me would include common sense and like dignity, integrity, responsibility. All, like th those would all be part and parcel of any supreme being yeah you know and so the more you move up in life spiritually to me the more truth you're going to see and yeah. truth to me always includes responsibility integrity discipline mm -hmm. hard work helping other people mm -hmm. that's all part of god whatever god is yeah for anyone yeah. or even an atheist you know whatever yeah. whatever their happiness would be yeah. would include those things and so when i hear people go it's out of my hands like immediately, I'm like, let's have a chat. Totally. And without without you know being negative towards them or destructive or anything, I do like to speak up. I've learned to speak up yeah. appropriately and yeah. constructively, yeah. but speak up. Yeah. Because that that's responsibility for me to yeah. just let that go. That's irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've come to realize that as well. Yeah. And man, it's, it can be uncomfortable. Sure. You know? <laughs> well, life is uncomfortable. Yeah. Sorry. Life is brutal. Yeah, you know, exactly. if you try to sidestep that, good luck. Yeah. You yeah. In the, you... in the pursuit of your own happiness. <laughs> right. Me, me, me. Oh, I'm not happy. I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me laugh because it's there, it's there uh, in the Bible, plain and simple. The kingdom of God is within you. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, I encounter it quite a lot in the village that I live in because it's a very Roman Catholic mm -hmm. little Italian village. And people people often say, oh, you know, well, 
you know, it's in God's hands. Let's pray, you know, and leave it in God's hands. If somebody's sick, oh, let's pray and leave it in God's hands. Well, no, just, you know, kind of take responsibility for your health. Yeah. And uh, Well, it is in God's yeah. hands, and those are yours. Yeah, your hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Within Matt's question, he asked about YouTube. Uh, in your opinion, do, is it important to have good visual creative skills to engage with an audience on the platform of YouTube? No. I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I'm just basing this on observation. Mm. There's um, an artist that I was working with, and she had, um, I was consulting at one time. So she had written a song from her deathbed. Oh, wow. The doctor said she was going to die, and she thought she was going to die, and she's a musician, and so it was quite sad, you know. And so she was weak, but they had helped her. Her friends helped her set up a home studio at her bed that she could record oh. while laying down. Oh. So she was able to pick up her guitar on her back and set up boom mics and stuff and play her guitar and sing. And so she had people that were coming to her with all kinds of money. You know, like, you know, the, the Patreon kind of crowdfunding mentality, which, mm. you know, they wanted to help her. There, It was her their friend and... She was an artist and she was dying and they wanted to help her with her dream before she died. So they threw all kinds of money at her to help her. And so they made this incredible video. Like he was asking, like vis- visually, it was amazing. Special effects and all this stuff and really well done. A fan got a hold of her song and made a cheesy little stupid little video. It, was, it wasn't very good at all. Her video that her friends had put all this money into got about um, 80,000 views, which was pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. The fan that put, put hers out, same song, got four, 4.3 million views. Wow. And there was something about this video that the fan put together. It was very cheesy, but there was something that was like struck an emotional chord yeah. with that music. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So what I'll say, uh, you know, to Matt and to anyone that's doing visual presentations or any artistic presentation is the emotional impact mm. is what matters. Yeah. Like even when I'm mixing, you know, there'll sometimes be mistakes or this or that. If the mistake is going to cause a drop in emotion, I fix it. If the mistake doesn't cause a drop in emotion, then it's not a mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's an enhancement. It's, there's no, I'm getting emotional impact from it. Yeah. It's not a mistake. So you have to yeah. learn how to, you have to learn how to view as a viewer and listen as a listener. Don't view as a director. Don't view as a cinematographer. Don't view, you know, as a cameraman or as an actor or as an actress, view as a viewer. Yeah. Listen as a listener. We call it Iowa ears, Iowa ears right? Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the hardest things that I had to teach myself and teach others yeah. is how to listen to music or view a video as just a person who appreciates and who's a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's a fan. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. And so this fan who put together the video, you know, just kind of out of emotion for their friend, she didn't have any money. There's no budget. I think they did it with, I don't know what they did, with some photos and their phone. Wow. A few little shots with their phone and 
some photos. Yeah. But I watched it. I watched both of them, and that one was impressive. But this one was had emotional impact. Yeah. Sometimes you can put so much into a production, you know, technically, but you've missed the mark emotionally yeah. you miss the mark with emotional impact yeah. how many times do we have a demo that has magic in it and then we redo it we go in the studio and we and it's produced like wow and everyone wants to hear the demo mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot of stories like that in the music mm -hmm. industry where that demo is the one that got released on the album mm -hmm. you know yeah many times that's happened yeah exactly yeah and i'd i'd kind of come at it from um, another kind of different stance as well is that just through the experience of making the music videos for my album, it's an amazing opportunity to collaborate mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, yeah, you know, don't feel, Matt, that you have to do everything yourself, you know. Um, reach out, collaborate with people, get people excited about your projects. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I love just putting shout-outs on Facebook, asking people for help, because I always get some sort of help from it. You know, I've never fallen flat on my face when I've reached out on Facebook. You know, someone's always caught me and been like, yeah, okay, I know this person. And I will tag like a million people and then I get loads of responses and DMs and things. See, to so, me, that's because you help. You're helping people. You have 2,000 people on Daydream Believers. It's unbelievable what you've done. And you keep helping people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So how dare you? <laughs> it's your Liz. fault. <laughs> I was really selfish. Don't until blame I me. <laughs> it's all you. It's all me. Yeah. So no, I mean, look what's happening. You're getting help. And yeah. To me, it's because you've helped so many. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another one from Matt. If writing for the TV and film markets with the music library and music supervisor as a targeted audience, is it still necessary to engage in social media campaigns and promote yourself in the same way as a performing artist? For some music supervisors, yes. For some publishers, yes. For some agencies, yes. They want to see a footprint online. Yeah. yeah. There's several reasons for it. You know, some are kind of unseen, kind of hidden behind the scenes reasons. Sometimes an uh, agency that pays out a lot of money for music, like maybe $20,000 for a track, they have to send that music uh, via a legal department. Mm. Because they don't want to pay somebody $20,000 who is not truthful about whether they wrote that track or not and owns it for real. Because mm. mm. they can end up getting sued. Mm. If the person that they're paying did not really truthfully write it. Mm. So they'll send to their legal department all your social media links. And the legal department will look you over and decide, mm, no, we don't want to go with this person. No, we're not putting this money into that. Nope, this looks like a potential problem here. Something I, that doesn't seem right. This, 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 this. Mm -hmm. You know, like this could lead to uh, a lawsuit here. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting why you have to have that footprint. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not always the case, but that's for a certain percentage. You know, it's, I would say it's a small percentage, but it's out there and it's lucrative. Like if you think about yourself, if you're a company and you're making big money, and now you have money and you can pay some artist $20,000 for 60 seconds of music. Okay, what are your risks and rewards? Yeah. There's some risks involved here. Yeah. And so you're yeah. going to have a legal department and you're going to look into it and you're going to make sure that the person you deal with is trustworthy. Yeah. And when they say they copyrighted it, they copyrighted it. When they say there's no other writer on it, there's no other writer on it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
So that's one niche factor of why I would say to Matt, yes, it's important for some situations. Others, they just, you know, some people, they're musicians themselves. They're now a music supervisor. They're now a publisher. They've been in bands. They had their own websites. They had their own music out there. And they just want to help. Like there's a, there's a tendency of amongst good people to want to help artists make it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they just want to, they want to help you make it. And when they see that you're working hard at it, yeah. they're like, oh, let's help them. Yeah. Like that's a big part. That's a really big part of it. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at the industry as a people industry, and if you do things to help people, help your team, you know, help yourself by all means. You know, that's one thing I'll say in this podcast. It's not like you're selfless. You have to help yourself a lot, mm-hmm. but for the purpose so that you're strong enough to help others. Yeah. When I see somebody really taking care of themselves, I don't judge that it's good or bad until I see what their intention and their purpose for taking care of themselves is. Yeah. You know, you know, I don't, if, if I see somebody like really going like crazy taking care of themselves, I don't go, oh, they're me, 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 and they're bad. Mm-hmm. They're all about themselves. No, I go, let me just see why they're taking care of themselves mm-hmm. so good. And if I go, man, they're helping like, 2,000 people a week and they're just staying strong so that they can help all those people. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. You know, it's the end product, the purpose. Yeah. It's that happiness thing, the me, me, me thing we're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to having a social media and all this social stuff, it's like, yes, it can be important and no, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I've seen people get lucrative licensing placements time and time and time and time again that have no social like me (laughs) okay i don't have that like i use facebook to just kind of um post my musical successes and it helps my business yeah because it helps get more students it helps get more people that hire me you know as a producer and stuff like that but I don't like work it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Once a year I post on Twitter. You know what I mean? Which is, you know, yeah. I don't, I have an Instagram that I never use. Okay. Probably if I did all that stuff, I'd be more successful. But not really because I'm almost overwhelmed with how much work I have right now. Yeah. You know, very close. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, making more money than I ever have. And so, and so, so here's an example, Matt. Like, I don't have a very good, you know, like I just got one of my interns to to take a really crappy like set of websites and fix them up a bit, and they're like just a bit fixed up. You know, <laughs> I mean, way better than what I did. And so, but has that been important for me to like with get 20th Century Fox or Disney or Hollywood Records or on The Young and Restless on you know A and E Born This Way TV you know placements big film production companies, not at all, zero. Mm. And I think what may be missing, it's remember we talked about asking the right question. Mm. To me, the right question is this. Not that that's the wrong question. That's a good question because it brings up uh, like the kind of primary question, which is how do I present myself to other people as a person in this industry? So... You won't be judged as a person based on your website. People are too savvy for that. Yeah. They're just too savvy. You know, you can have the most... Because I see many people who are failing have incredible social media skills, incredible websites, 
incredible online this, incredible online that, Instagram, that, 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 lots of followers, and they're not making it with mm-hmm. their music. Mm-hmm. So it's, one does not equal the other. Mm-hmm. And I see people who, like, my approach is more like, I love people. I love to help people. That's my approach right there, period. I love yeah. people. I love to help people. And people kind of get it when they work with me. And so I'm successful yeah. in that way. I'm making a living. People are coming back to me, you know. And then I guess you would add on to, you know, really, you know, liking people and wanting to help people. You add on to that being disciplined about creating quality products. Yeah. So to me, if you have those four things and then you add on this big social media thing, then I'd say, yeah, that's, that's important. But it misses the primary question. How are you presenting yourself? How are you acting to other people in this people business of the music industry or any industry? I mean, any industry. Yeah. Any industry. Yeah. But, but in entertainment, it seems to be even more so. Yeah. It's much more of a, it's a small town where it gets around fast. Reputation, you know, they say you're only as good as your last project. There's some truth to that. That's quality. You're as good as your quality. Not just the quality of your work, the quality of your communication with other people. Mm. The quality of your word. Do you keep your word? You know, do you overpromise and underdeliver? Mm. You know, this is all about like the people. Yeah. The people. So if you can be that first and then go to town, yeah, go to town on your social media. But it becomes like the better you are as a person, the less important that stuff becomes. That's my observation. Mm. It's not unimportant. I'm not saying it. In certain niches, it's vital. But if you take away the the foundation I was talking about, I think you just fall flat on your face. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a refreshing approach. I love it. Mm. <laughs> Another question is, how do you identify the best music library service for your music? Do they specialize in genres? Or industry focus? They are so individual. It takes research. It takes a lot of research. So how you identify them is to get in there and roll up your sleeves. And what I do is I try my hardest to get on Skype if I can't go face-to-face. If I can go face-to-face, boom, I'm face-to-face. I'm not just, again, it comes down to the question to ask. So to me, the question here is this is how do I establish an eye-to-eye, face-to-face relationship with libraries? Because then you'll know which one's right for you. Mm. If I ask myself, well, how do I research these libraries to find out what's good for me? It's it's not quite the exact question Mm. that will give you the result of success. The question will become, how do Mm. I establish face-to-face, eye-to-eye communication with these entities that I'm researching. Mm. So I do everything I can if I find a library. Like Paul has done really well with this. You know, Paul Armandaris. Yeah. I mentioned him before. He's a student. That's He's done so well that a month ago, he retired from being a math teacher, which he didn't think was going to happen for another five years, and now he's doing music full-time. Wow. And one of the things I had him do was go on a campaign. I said, Paul, when you research people and you want to deal with them, I don't care what they are, but especially these libraries and stuff like that, ask in an appropriate way and be what I call as a smiling bulldog. You know, you have to be persistent, but very nice. You know what I mean? Like, it's like velvet glove on 
iron fist. <laughs> you know, you have to really work hard, be persistent, but be the smiling bulldog. And do whatever you can to just get on Skype or go to their office or meet for lunch. He started that campaign of just doing that. And he's retired. He retired one month ago from being a math teacher on that campaign, on that networking campaign. And then the whole time we worked on his quality of his music production, of mm. course. That's the given mm. to me. Yeah, yeah. That's like your ID card to get in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, otherwise you don't even get in. But now what do you do once you get in? Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's the people part. Yeah, wow. And I think in particular in the UK and maybe in Europe in general, there just isn't this culture of meeting people face to face. I find here people are much more like, yeah, let's go for coffee. You know, they want to meet you, they're, they're a bit more open, they're a bit more um, prepared to help, you mm. know? Like, they're like, yeah, cool, well, you know, how can I help? Uh, if they, if you know, if you show them that you're, you're kind of, you're talented and you work hard. But in the UK, there isn't, it's a very different attitude. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd love actually to see Matthew put this to the test and, yeah. and see how he's, how he what the reaction would be to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you know, the, the statement about the UK is vertical to me. It's yeah, a vertical that's, statement. that's also true. <laughs> so, as your mentor, I have a responsibility <laughs> you do to address a point here. <laughs> yeah. And I would say, you know, just to, to consider this, consider the fact that UK is less prone to face-to-face -face as a possible myth-making brainwashing thing you might have heard <laughs> that's very vertical. Yeah. You know, so I would say it's more horizontal, but there's probably a whole lot of people in the UK, and this is from my observation because I've been there three times working, that, that, that I found that there's a whole lot of people that love to go face-to-face -face and some that don't. Okay, yeah. That's my observation. Yeah, uh, okay. So there you saw some mentoring. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's probably going to edit that out. <laughs> no, I'm not, I promise. <laughs> So Matthew, there you go. Don't 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 be discouraged. Go out on there and find the yeah, people. Don't, don't listen to her. Yeah, don't listen to her. <laughs> go out there and find the people in the UK that do want to meet with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah brilliant. <laughs> so the next question that he's asking is: as a composer, is it better to write in one genre as a speciality or be as versatile as possible, provided quality is good? Be as versatile as possible. To me, um, one of the best interactions I ever saw on this subject was um, J.C. Quintero, who's the head of Saban Music. Yeah. He was the head of Saban Music, which, and he, he held like the top, one of the top positions in music licensing in the world. And I was a fellow panelist speaking. Were you there at that one with J.C. Quintero? I guess. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I don't know if you were in the room because we had different breakouts. Yeah, you know? that's right. But I where do he, remember where he, he told him, somebody, he goes, learn all the genres you hate. I don't know if you were there when he said that, but... Interesting. And they're like, what? And he's like, listen, he goes, you have no clue how destructive this advice is. And I, I agree with him totally. That's why I'm just using him as an example, because he's very successful. If you like find your niche and do the best you can in it, like forget it. To me, it's like, I don't know, like what would that be like? It would be like somebody, okay, you're a baker, okay? You have a job as a baker. And somebody gives you this advice and says, make carrot cupcakes only. <laughs> That's all. 
I don't care what anybody else around here tells you to do. You're going to lose your job yeah. if you're a baker, right? But even if they kept you there because they loved you or you're the daughter of the owner, how successful are you going to be if you only make carrot cupcakes mm. in that bakery shop? They're going to put you in the back in a little room and you'll have a little shelf with your stuff on it, but you're not going to be kind of part of the team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and that's what happens in the music industry. Like if you hate country music and you never delve into it and figure out how to do it and you never get in there and create some and produce some and write some and collaborate with people, guess what? Pretty much all of Nashville and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are not going to be available to you to network. Mm. There's going to be a lot of people you can't help. You know, if you look at the success from my definition of success, there's going to be a lot of less people for you to help that mm. you can help. So the more you, you know, go, hey, I'm going to do this one style, this one genre, and I'm going to specialize at it. I'm like, mm. would, would you say that um, if somebody was wanting to be a music artist, as opposed to perhaps maybe what Matthew is wanting to do and be becoming a composer, that the approach would be different. Totally. And, yeah. 100%. So I think that's the definition that quite a few people make. Yeah. What road do you want to go down first? Yeah. And I think what's happening is there's a, um, a confusion between art and commerce, art and business. Yeah. So for the business of music, but I say for artists, art also, that's just my opinion though. See, what we're going to touch upon here right now is the fact that I believe you cannot teach art. Mm. Once you step into that room, you're starting to destroy an artist when you try mm. to teach art. So to an artist, if they say, should I do one genre or do a bunch of artists? I'm going to say to them, well, should you do one or should you do many? Well, I'm asking you. Well, I'm asking you. I'll never teach somebody how to do their art. Never. Yeah. You destroy the artist. Yeah. That person may want to do only like, you know, songs with pink lyrics and that are at 120 beats per minute, that are two minutes and 30 seconds long, that are in the key of E and that are between the range of C and E and that are about houses. I'm like, right on. <laughs> awesome. And they go, and that's my art. I'm like, well, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you do songs in the key of C, 120 beats per minute that are pink lyrics and about houses. Let's make the best ones we can. What do you need? Yeah. I'm going to help you do that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you want to learn? What's, you know, don't touch a person's art. Yeah. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But now when you get into commerce and business and you want to license your music and you want to do this, then you're either going to be stupid or smart. Mm. you once you step into business, then there's a purpose for stepping into business. But if you don't want any part of that, which is totally cool, and you want to do your art, then stay away from people who are going to tell you how to do your art. Yeah. Yeah. comes down to those questions, too, like, what should I ask? Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. okay, who am I as an artist? Okay, you know, obviously, to me, you can't ask anybody else but yourself that. Yeah. You can't go to for advice. Who do you think I am? Yeah. What do you think is best for me? What do you think is the best thing that I should wear? Or what do you, what do you think is good for me? You know, it's like, no, you're just inviting someone to destroy you. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah.
But if you're going like, you know what? I'd like to make some money with my music. Okay, then I'll, man, I'll be all over you. I'll say, okay, learn all the genres. And I'm going to help teach you those genres. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to teach you how to do your art in that genre. But I'm going to teach you how to approach them, all the tools, how to A-B, use references so you can nail them, make radio-ready recordings every time you, you know, you hit the studio. I'll be all over you on that. But if you say to me, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to be an artist. I'm going to go, okay, man, I'm going to teach you tools. Yeah, but how do I write this song? I'll say, how do you write this song? Well, how do I uh, approach the, you know, expressing myself in, on, in this emotion? I'll say, well, how do you approach expressing yourself with that emotion? Yeah. I'll never teach you. No, I'll destroy you. Yeah. And it's, I think it's so, schools are, you know, many schools mm. teach art. Mm. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. I get interns and different students that have been through schools and many times they've been crushed as an artist. Yeah. You know? So I would differentiate, you know, very clearly between art and business. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's really great advice because I think a lot of musicians get confused because they want to make money from their music. Yeah. And then they start thinking, well, as a music artist, do I now need to make every single genre under the sun just to get it? licensed no because if you want to be a music artist you want to develop your career the way that you want to develop it and focus focus on your speciality but if you want to be a composer who writes music specifically for licensing for music libraries then yeah you need to be versatile yeah as and, versatile as you can yeah and that when i realized that they were two completely different things mm -hmm. changed changed so much for me wow. you know like I I start yeah I, I, mean, I focused on finishing my artist album because I was like actually this this is what I want to be doing mm -hmm. I have this thing inside of me that wants to come out and you know writing music for licensing isn't necessarily fulfilling me so I'm gonna I'm gonna steer my ship in this direction in, right. the, in the music artist direction for a bit see where it goes you know and I can always fall back on the music licensing route if I have to yeah but yeah, so yeah, I think that definition is really important for, for, for musicians to know. I think so. And I think that to me, the ideal thing to do is a lot of both. Be yeah, an artist, yeah, yeah, be an artist yeah. a lot, right? And get into the commerce and do that a lot. You know yeah. why? You'll become a better artist. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, totally. Like, can you imagine like, okay, you do punk, right? Punk, 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 punk. That's what I am. That's what I do. I'm like, right on. Right? Do you want to do any licensing or anything like that? No. Fine. Go for it. Bah, 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 bah. And then one day you go, hey, well, tell me about that licensing stuff. All right, come over here. Okay, learn country. I'd hate it. Learn it. Okay? <laughs> um, do some classical. I have no idea what theory is. All right, I'm going to teach you. <laughs> now do some classical. Okay? Now, okay, do classic rock. I hate classic rock. Good. Do it. Right? <laughs> and so then we get that guy through that thing. Then he goes back to do his punk. And he's like... <sighs> Yeah. Like Superman punk. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah and maybe me. he goes like, you know what? I've had punk. That's cool. I'm going to do country, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to do country punk now. Or, like, like life just kind of opens up. Yeah. And you have more friends. You have more people to help. You Like, it's just smart. Yeah. But I'm not saying it's mandatory. Yeah. If you really just want to be the punk guy, don't learn any 
theory or nothing. I'm like, go for it. Yeah. Then just go for just it. Go for it. Exactly. Like a thousand percent. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to judge you on that. Yeah. I'll just say to myself, and I, but I won't teach that person this. See, that's the point. I'm not going to teach him, hey, as an artist, if you did A, B, C, you'd be a better artist. See, that's what happens. That's destructive. That's where I draw the line. Mm. But once the person reaches and says to me, you know, I'm interested in, you know, like Matt. Matt Matt's a perfect example. He was doing like this psychedelic kind of really cool stuff that was like, um, it had all these different electronic rock elements, mostly electronic and psychedelic. And it's, it was kind of, you know, there's some genres that you have to give the person's name as the genre. <laughs> this was like Matt Staples music. Okay. That's the genre. That's what it's called. And then he started reaching to me when I started to mentor him. Hey, I'm interested in maybe learning about, can you tell me a little bit about this? You know, this thing, that thing. I said, yeah, let's do it. He's, he's writing like these, like a symphonic stuff. He's writing Disney songs. He's writing, but he's enjoying it. He's lo- and he's doing great, you know? So, I mean, I think Matt's part of his own answer, you know, yeah. like he's really, yeah. he's a good example. Yeah. 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 So the final question is, have you advice on packaging music for library submissions? How many tracks? How many file formats? Promotional images or cover art? Should it all be around a central theme? No, I wouldn't say it has to be around a central theme, though it can be. Like, okay, I mean, like you did your EMI album. Mm-hmm. It was, a, was that around a central theme? Yeah, it was new disco pop. But one was new disco pop. And around a central genre? Yeah. Or the, yeah, so the theme there really was kind of the genre. Yeah. Yeah, so... T- oh, the theme was kind of positive, positive and uplifting okay. with female vocals. Good, so there was actual It was very, theme. very... Spe- like, it was so specific. Um, even, like, one of the tracks that I wrote originally was too, too synth pop for what we were doing because we wanted new disco pop. Oh, right. And I was right, like, right. right, okay, it's like, you know the, the sharpened pencil? Yes. And like, it was like a sharpened super pencil. sharp pencil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so with production music houses and production, like EMI, Production Music London, Megatracks, you know, there's different um, companies that take an album as a product. So for those companies, yeah, you want to have a theme, you can have the packaging. They'll usually do the visual packaging for you, mm. usually. Yeah, they do, yeah. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, I guess if you presented something, that's not going to hurt. Maybe they would really, they'll see that you're professional. Yeah. Uh, so for those production companies and houses, yeah, having a theme for an album is good. Because then they'll try to sell that album mm. to clients. Mm. Because a client wants to have, like, maybe they have a movie that's um, in the 80s. And your album is 80s, you know, um, high school dance music or something, mm-hmm. you know. And so yeah. you can, you can, they can sell that yeah. to somebody putting a movie together for that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to presenting your music to libraries and supervisors and publishers, I would say that the most important thing is to present yourself as a very professional person who speaks concisely and goes above and beyond without saying many words mm. in a very teamwork-like fashion. So my here's how I get like lots of placements and stuff. I'll say, um, hi, John. I'll say, um, here's the uh, track that you asked me for. 
Here's also a link to all my STEM files and, and 30, 60, 90, two-minute cues if you need them. He didn't ask me for this, but it's very concise and it's just a link. And you can download them. And I'll say, um, um, I'll say the, the cues are all custom-made with a beginning, with a real beginning, middle, and ending. So he knows I'm not like some, you know, chop chop, like just yeah. throw it together, yeah. no quality, which a lot of people do. They'll just cut 60 seconds out of a track, you know, and that's their 60 second version. Mm. You know, I go in and I, you know, do whatever I have to do yeah. to make sure it's a good intro for that 60 second, a good middle section and an end yeah. from within my material. And then I will, um, it won't be much more than that. And I get a lot of placements because they look at it and they go, okay, this guy's a pro. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. That's all. And I like and I like this guy. Yeah. See, here's what you want. You want to go like this. Either this guy or this girl is a pro. He or she knows what she's doing. I like this person. And then the next thing they say after that, I'm going to work with them. Yeah. They don't go like this. I love this track. And so I'm going to sign this track. That does happen. It does happen from time to time. But guess what? If you're not a real team player, you're not concise, you don't move fast, you don't give them what they need fast and get it to them with good quality, you won't get the second, third, and fourth job. Mm. No matter if you're like, you know, Beethoven mm. or Michael Jackson. You know, I, you, know what I, you know how I learned this? You know Jody Friedman, the music mm. supervisor? Yeah. Well, I didn't really know how music supervisors worked or what they were. You know, the, the more I tried to research music licensing, the more I became confused. And then I learned I wasn't the only one, you know? I yeah. thought I was the only one. I just didn't even want to talk about it to anybody. I was so embarrassed. Like, the more I researched, the more confused I got. Such Publishing, a, licensing. Such ah, a confusing topic. I couldn't, like, I'd get a headache, yeah. you know? And so I said one day, uh, hey, I go, wow, you know, there's somebody I know that's a music supervisor and he lives near me. And I said, hey, Jody, why don't you come over here and you can... I'll record one of your songs because he's a songwriter. He goes in Nashville and stuff. I said, I'll record one of your songs here because I, I you know, I'll, I'll do it for you because I want to know what his music supervisor is and maybe I'll be able to learn by just hanging out with you and you can record it. Oh, cool. I'll come over. So he came over and one time while I was mixing some of the stuff we were doing, he said, hey, Gary, uh, do you mind? I have my headphones. If I work here for a minute, you can keep mixing. I got my headphones. And I'm like, no, that's okay. So I turned my mix way down. Because I didn't want to bother him. And I'm sitting there mixing. And so, you know how when somebody puts headphones on, you yeah. can hear that they say things? Yeah. Like they don't even realize it sometimes or they hum or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny, right? Well, he was talking to himself. And he was saying, he was going, he, he just got a job, you know, a potential job from, uh, I think it was Sony for a major movie. And they asked him for um, a specific type of cue for this film. And so now he was going through his library. There he was, being a music supervisor, right there in front of me, or behind me. But I kept turning around. And so he said, uh, he was saying to himself, he's going through these tracks, and he's going like this, like literally like this fast. He's going like... That's how fast he was going through these tracks wow. and listening to them. Wow. Right? Like not even listening to like four seconds. Well, I, I, I looked in, in some of those, you know, clicks where, where he was going Skipping beginning, through, middle, middle, end. end. Okay. You know, so maybe three, 
short, like five seconds, not, not even like two, like six seconds total on each track. And he went through like 30 tracks, but I, then he was talking, you know what he was saying? He's going like, he, as he's doing, he's going, Oh, good track. Good track. Who is this? Oh, this is a great track. Who is that? And then he kept going. He said, good, great. And I'm like, why doesn't he stop? But then he would say, who is this? You know, just talking to himself. Yeah. And he'd look and I'd see him kind of shake his head. And he'd go, da-da-da-da-da. And he'd go, this, nah, this is a pretty good track. Pretty good track. Who is this? Yes. Interesting. I want to work with them. Yes, yes. No, I want to work with them. They sent me this thing last. They were so good about it, this, this. Or I like their email. I like to say, or he'd look at their, like, he, sometimes he'd look at their social media or whatever yeah. if he needed to. But the point was, it wasn't the music that was getting the gig. It was the person. Mm. All of them were sufficient quality. So now, you know, so some of them are going to be better than others, but they're all above the line. Mm. So all of them could have been used by that, in that film, right? Mm -hmm. But he had to decide subjectively what he liked the best. But he wasn't deciding subjectively which music he liked the best. He was deciding who he wanted to work with the most. That was the biggest eye-opening thing that ever happened to me in licensing. Mm. And I go, okay, good. I'm on the right track. Because my whole approach from the beginning has always been, you know, just help people. Mm. So, of course, they're going to go, oh, I like that guy. He's, he's helping. He always helps me. Yeah. He, or he's always trying to help me. Yeah. He never asks for anything. He's very concise. No big, no drama. Always positive. Very short you know, concise is really, really, really important. Really important. Yeah. If you think about it in life, like the people that we listen to that where their words matter, you know, they're kind of the guy that like just sits there during the meeting and then at a certain pause, they'll say something with a lot of wisdom and then they'll just shut up and everybody, and everything, the whole subject will change. Mm. You know, when they open their mouth. So conciseness is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd also say, you know, like we, we touched on it earlier, just check your emails. Oh, yeah. Make sure that your grammar's good. Make sure, correct. Make sure that your spelling is correct. Yeah. yeah. You know what that shows? It shows that you have quality control in your life. Yeah. In your life, you have quality control. Yeah. Really. I mean, you know, you have a typo in, a, in an email, you don't think that makes a big difference. Makes a huge difference. They look at that and they go, okay, if that person wants me to pay them and this is what they're doing and they and they obviously want to make a living at this and that's how much they care i'm not going to work with them yeah. i'm serious i've seen yeah. it right in front of my face where a typo made a difference i it would, i feel it would, it. it would impact my my choice well, as well you know i try never to do it but once in a while you know a typo gets through on me yeah. and i feel i like yeah i have to shake it off yeah i'm like i want that email back yeah <laughs> I used to have this service where you could actually you could actually fix a typo in an email after you sent it. So, well, there's one that exists. Yeah. Wow, that's magic. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I think that we may have come to the end yeah. of our epic conversation. I think so. Yeah, um, I've I've loved it. It's it's kind of condensed into one amazing conversation, everything that you've been teaching me over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And then some. Yeah, and, you know, I wanted to, um, just to say that, you know, you, you see part of my life here, 
yeah. for studio dogs. And then I have a, a wonderful girlfriend and studio manager here who you know very well, yeah. which is Chrissy. Yeah. And she's an amazing, amazing spirit and yeah. a really special person. And if she's around, we might be able to, you know. Yeah. I'd love to just present, you know, that part of, of my life too. Yeah. Which is really important because she helps me tremendously. And that's what I try to do with her is to help her. And yeah. she has like some special gifts in life, you know. She like does. Incredible. Yeah. So, and that's your mama, isn't it? Now don't lick my nose in front of the, on the camera. <laughs> later. Okay. Brilliant. Well, Gary, thank you so much for taking the time out to sit here with me and and share your wisdom and your knowledge and your expertise with the listeners. Um, where can listeners find you? They can go to GaryGrayProductions.com. They can go to LearnAudioEngineering.net. And then also, you know, I do um, courses and stuff on both howtolicenseyourmusic.com mm -hmm. and on newartistmodel.com. So those are the different areas that they can, you know, search around yeah. and find me. Yeah. And if you want to write to me, be, feel free. Anyone can write to me just at Gary at GaryGrayProductions.com. Brilliant. Thanks, yeah. Gary. And it's uh, Gary uh, Gray is spelled G-R-A-Y. -Y. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of dyslexic. <laughs> G-A-R-Y-G-R-A-Y. -G -G yeah. <laughs> so that's it, Gary. Thank you so much again. Yes. <laughs> Yay, fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Liz. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. It's my pleasure to bring you guests who are experts in their field to help you pursue your passions and achieve your dreams. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'd love to know what you thought of it. So please do remember to subscribe in iTunes and give us a little rate and review. If the show resonated with you, please share it with someone you think would benefit from it. If you have a question or topic you'd like answered on the podcast, head to lizchirelli.com and pop me a message. Huge thanks to everyone inside my Patreon community. It's their generosity that enables me to continue making this podcast. If you'd like to join us and connect with me on a deeper level, just head to patreon.com forward slash Liz Chirelli, where you can sign up quickly and easily. As a patron, you'll get access to the full range of my coaching packages and exclusive early access to all my musical output and special behind the scenes exclusives too.